0: following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.
1: Hello and welcome everybody to Always Another Way podcast. My name is Marina Sprocky-Spriggs. And I have a master's in professional counseling. I am the IPI award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life. I'm also the author of Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the Huff Post, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope in always another way. And if you are very rigid and completely set in your beliefs, then this probably isn't your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can and do change. And I just want to thank everyone again, listening to this podcast. and want to put another super huge favor out. If you could go to iTunes and search for Always Another Way podcast in the search bar, subscribe, and rate it. I would be eternally grateful the more ratings we get, the more people that can hear it, and the more people that can go another way. And have you ever wished for something, wanted to do something, and then got to do it, and then maybe realized later it wasn't either what you wanted to do, not what you expected it to be, or maybe you just want to do something different? So today, we are going to talk to Simon Cantlon, Aviva La Rock Productions, and I have known Simon since the second grade, and while we weren't hanging out the entire time, um, we did reconnect on social media later, and that's the super cool part about social media is just meeting and connecting with people. So a couple of weeks ago, we were in Charleston, South Carolina, my mother just moved there, And Simon lives there, and we reconnected again, but prior to that on social media, I'd been seeing these posts of just this really cool stuff that he's doing. Uh, He's got this music festival, and we're going to talk about all of these things, but it looked like fun, and so when we went there, I just couldn't wait to see him and see what he was up to. So before I go into everything, let's just have Simon on, and he can tell you all about what he's been doing. Since I last saw him in high school. (laughs) So, hi, Simon. Welcome.
0: Hey, Marina. Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. Well, Simon has worked for over 20 years in the entertainment and digital media industry in a variety of roles and capacities. He started his career in his 20s, getting as much experience as possible. He was working in music, writing, radio, road manager, record labels, publicity, and much more. Then he moved into the digital media space in the early 2000s, working for Showtime and Fox. He eventually worked for over 40 television shows, specials, music concerts, and more. And as his experience during this time continued to grow, he moved up the ranks as a digital media and became a major component in the industry. His career moved from New York City to LA, and he worked on shows like Dexter, Weeds, American Idol, So You Think You Can Dance, and many more. He's worked with music artists like Carrie Underwood, Adam Lambert, Jordan Sparks, Annie Lennox, The Spice Girls, Elvis Presley Enterprises, including also sports figures like David Beckham and the estate of Muhammad Ali. And he was also nominated for an Emmy for his work on Dexter, which was one of my favorite nighttime shows. And after 15 years of him working in the corporate entertainment industry, he decided to pursue his own path and passions He's created and produced a documentary, The Motels of Route 66, and there's going to be a phase two that's going to be shot in 2019, and he spent a month traveling and documenting the stories of Route 66. He dove into the world of festivals, producing two festivals that have grown in recognition and attendance every year. One is called Rockabilly on the Route in New Mexico, and the Rockabilly. I'm going to mispronounce that, but you can fix that in Charleston. And these are mid-century celebrations, including classic cars, vintage bike shows, live music from around the world, contest, including this ever-popular pinup contest. And so, before I go any further, Simon, let's just, um, since I gave kind of the whole bio, let's kind of start with your beginnings in the entertainment industry. So, you... Um, you know, college, here we go.
0: Yeah, um, I knew I wanted to work in the entertainment industry. I wasn't really sure what exactly I wanted to do, so I sort of just dove in. And like you had said, I, I got as much experience as I could. I worked in radio. I did all sorts of different things. And then in the early 2000s, I moved to New York City. I was in Boston before that and um, was working for the knitting factory for their record label group. And things kind of went belly up with them. They fired about 180 of their employees overnight and we're down to a staff of seven and I was sort of left with what do I do next so Showtime had an ad for a digital media position and at this time I know it's hard to believe but digital media was somewhat in its infancy and it wasn't really a well-known entity yet um, the internet was still somewhat new as far as being you know a mainstream um, thing So I went and interviewed for them. I got the gig. It was a six-month contract working on a show called Queer as Folk, which was going to make its debut. Um, The show aired with a massive success and they brought me on and I got to dive headfirst into the wild, wild west of digital media, which at the time nobody really knew what to do with and it was kind of put in a little corner in their high-rise building on in Times Square and we were sort of left to our own devices. This was probably my favorite time of working, you know, in the uh, entertainment industry because we got to do all sorts of things very cool, creative things. And so as I worked through all that and uh, sort of moved up the way, you know, it, I found I moved to Los Angeles. I sort of pitched them on relocating me to Los Angeles. And things didn't end up working out with Showtime because I didn't like the direction things were going. And I started feeling bored and I don't like feeling bored. I really don't like that word at all. So when mm-hmm. I start feeling bored or creatively inspired, I tend to start looking elsewhere. So I started looking around and I landed a, a gig at Fox leading a team, a much smaller, more hands-on experience. And I'm really glad I did it. It was less than six months working with them, but I was working on a couple of different TV shows. Uh, one of them was the Spielberg executive produced on the lot, which is looking for the next great director. It was complete failure as a show, but it was a really cool experience. I gained a lot of experience. My boss left and went to 19 Entertainment. And 19 Entertainment is a British company that created American Idol, created Spice Girl, managed all these different artists, including Annie Lennox and Carrie Underwood. And uh, he ended up figuring out a way to get me over there. So I went over there and It was great at first. I got to work on American Idol, which is this huge beast of a, you know, show. And at the time, which we're talking, I don't know, nine years ago or so, it was still, you know, this huge show. And I know it's back again, but at the time it was sort of like at its peak. So I got to get the whole world experience of this giant corporate monster show and see the inner working experience and, you know, all that. Well, my boss ended up leaving. I took his position and quickly found out that I was already sort of finding out but I quickly found out even more so that I just didn't want to be an executive to me the creativity was gone I had to take meetings and tell people no you can't do that no you can't do this Um, we got pitch meetings all the time for American Idol but it was it was dull so I decided to sort of take a leap from there and uh, I was turning 40 and one of the things that came up when, uh, when I uh, a couple months before I was turning to 40, I had met a comedian named Phyllis Diller who was sort of this iconic um, boundary-pushing comedian back in the 60s. Uh, Joan Rivers was a huge, you know, was hugely influenced by her. But her career of becoming an international comedian and celebrity didn't begin until she was 40. What? She was a housewife, and she basically reinvented herself and pursued a new dream which was comedy she'd always wanted to pursue comedy but she said screw it i'm gonna pursue it and she did and she became an international icon Wow! so i was looking at her career and i read her well, i met her and i read her book and i was just like wow this is pretty amazing that she didn't actually start pursuing her career as a comedian until she was 40. so it made me think i don't really like what i'm doing i really feel like i want to take a leap and jump off a cliff not literally but and try something different and i didn't really know exactly what i wanted to do i just knew i didn't want to do what i was doing now and i wasn't interested in being a corporate executive so that's when i took the leap and um, decided that after my 40th birthday i threw myself a big 40th birthday i was going to leave my job and sort of travel the country for a year and uh, one of the ideas that came out of that sort of brainstorming what i was going to do is working on a documentary the motels of Route 66 and it went through a couple different forms and functions of what it was gonna be, but I decided that I really wanted to tell the stories of the people that are taking these mid-century iconic roadside motels, restoring them, bringing them back to life, and reviving a a part of America that has been sort of lost. So I started diving into that, I fundraised for it, um, and I ended up going on the road for about a month. It was an amazing experience. And I planned again, like you said, shoot for The phase two, the documentary obviously hasn't come out yet, but I like the idea that there's been some time passed so that we go back and we we check in on the stories, find new stories, and then it gives it sort of like a continuing of the story after, uh, you know, five, six years have passed. Um, So after that, I still was sort of like, I don't really know what I want to do, but I fell in love with Charleston. I saw that it was thriving and growing. I felt like this is a place I could live. And this is a place that I could build whatever it is I want to build, build my brand, build, you know, the direction I want to go, which was similar to what I did, but more back to what I did at the beginning of the digital media marketing more hands on, more creative, more developing, more producing, less executive. So I decided to take the plunge after a year and move to Charleston. I don't regret it. I love it here. I've, uh, you know, the first couple of years were definitely a little rough, but, um, I you know, had to get my footing. I was jumping off and taking a huge pay cut and everything I had around me had been a structured work environment for you know, 15 years. So it was definitely a, 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 not a learning curve but like a huge like in some ways what have I gotten myself into and in other ways like this is exhilarating, I'm so excited that I'm doing this. So this, that was about six years ago now, and I don't regret anything. I love it here. I've been building my brand. I've gotten the opportunity to create from the ground up two different festivals, one with my co-producer, Angie in New Mexico and one here in Charleston. And they've all have, they both have grown. Um, they both have developed and changed, and each year is a new challenge. Um, and then after last year, I decided to retire me and Angie decided to retire the festival in New Mexico for the time being because we wanted to pursue other things that in a the, in the direction of what we want to do creatively we wanted to put it on hold and pursue other things that we were inspired by so we decided to put the festival on hold for a couple years and pursue you know other things that interest us or continue what we had already been developing and that's uh and so in the last year I've been focusing on the Charleston area building my brand here doing more events, doing creative marketing. I'm really inspired by doing more counterculture events that aren't being done in Charleston and surrounding area and creating unique niches that don't exist here already. And uh, I have to say that looking back, I'm really glad I took the, you know, I took the leap. I left a very secure job. I left a really good paycheck um, and I uh, took a big risk. But I figured, you know, if things don't work out, I could always go back to corporate America if I felt like I had to. But
1: that was way at the bottom of my list of things I wanted to do. Okay. let's Real quick, let me just ask you like about that. So it just like the story just flowed really nice how you just went from one thing to another and just the confidence that you had to just kind of say, okay. And it kind of started with, oh, when I'm bored, I don't like to do that. And there are so many people that are bored don't like their jobs or are not happy. And the story you just told made it just sound like, ah, yeah, just kind of switch it up a second. Was it that really easy of just, Hey, I'm going to take a chance and switch. Or did you like, did you sweat for a second?
0: You know, I definitely had nights where I woke up in a cold sweat for sure. Okay. I mean, and especially the first two years, they were rough. I mean, I took a huge pay cut. Like I put myself a little bit in debt. I wonder what I was doing, but I just did not want to go back to a nine to five, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everything's for you know certain people, but I just that wasn't for me. You know, it's the time in my
1: life. Okay, super cool. Yeah, so so there was some sweating in that going back and forth, and then so you had this creative idea, and um, and then what did you face any difficulties as you were like going to this, or did you find I'm just going to go with my creative flow and then sort of have a piece with that and met people along the way, or or how did that work out?
0: You know, everything happened happen by chance. If you would have told me I'd be producing, um, you know, mid-century rockabilly festivals you know, seven years ago, I would have been like, yeah, right. Um, you know, everything sort of, you know, happened through meeting, you know, I think meeting people and getting to know people and talking about things and all that brings up so many different avenues in life to go different directions and pursue different things, um, and I found through my interactions with various people, especially in the last eight years or so, have changed my course and helped me figure out what I want to do and all that. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been, there's been moments where it's very um, scary. And I think that if you're not scared, then you're, you're not, you're doing something wrong. Like if you're diving into something new and you're not scared and you're not like, oh, what the hell am I doing? Then, you know, then you're probably not really taking a big risk. Because it is it's challenging are building something from the ground up and yeah it's hard.
1: It's hard and we can you can say bad words on podcasts. that's cool. Yeah. So you can bring them out. Okay, so now let's talk about um the your new events. So you've you've got the uh, and then I mispronounced the one in Charleston. How do you pr- how do you pronounce that? Rock,
0: rockabilly Q. It's like rockabilly meat barbecue, very southern. Oh,
1: cool. <laughs> and tell us about that. So if, if you have one coming up or has there been one, what's what all goes on if somebody's like, "I want to check this out." This will be
0: the sixth year. Um, it is in November, second weekend of November. It's a outdoor huge car and bike show. There's going to be five stages of live music this year. I bring bands from all over the country and some bands from around the world and it's free. I'm a big fan of doing events that are either affordable to people coming or free. Um, so there's contests, there's car and bike show, there's kids activities, there's, you can drink in the streets, you can... Eat from, uh, about eight different restaurants during the park circle area, which is where I do the event. It's this great 1940s neighborhood that has a little main street that's been completely revitalized and I close down that whole main street. That's where the music stages are. That's where the car and bike show is. And it's day and night and it's free day and night. And, uh, we have grown it every year, um, every year, more and more and more people come out, it's starting to surpass events that have been here for 16, 20 years. Um, it's starting to get closer to surpassing in an attendance, and it's only been around for six years. So right on. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's a really cool event. It's a lot of fun, and it, you know what? The great thing about it too is that it's kind of it's fun for the all ages. Like people really get into it. People dress up, people come out, and you know bring their cars and bikes, or they take selfies all over you know the festival. Um, and I also you know if I try to do with every event I do. I think it's really important. Is I try to do everything as a benefit for a charity. I think that's super important to me. Nice. And so um, this this the, my new my current one that is on board for the last couple of years is Valiant Animal Rescue, and um, I just really try to unless it's too small of an event to make an impact, I always try to uh, raise money for charity with my events.
1: That is so cool. You're a giver too. <laughs> and um, and so let's ask you. So t- uh, tell us the story. or I was talking to you on the phone earlier of the name of your production company. Cause it's just oh, yeah. a super okay. so cool one. Rock
0: Productions um, is inspired by the uh, punk movement in the late 70s. Vivian Westwood had a store called Sex that was in London that all the young punk rock kids would hang out at. And from that particular store, the movement was born. The Sex Pistols formed, Susie and the Banshee formed, the Damned formed, like a million different bands. The thing I like about it, I like the iconic the iconic nature of it, she had an image that had Bebe La Rock, and it had Little Richard with his arms in the air in sort of ecstasy, you know, of, from, you know, like total freedom. That's and the thing I like about it more than anything, I like the imagery of the La Rock, but I like the idea that things have become status quo, things have become boring, and, you know, things have become politically restless. And this movement came in of the youth, similar to what's happening now, and change things up and push things and, you know, fought things and protested and shouted in the streets. And I like the idea that this movement came about and sort of, you know, pushed for something new that was less corrupt.
1: Love it. Totally love it. New and less corrupt is always good. And <laughs> the youth always rocks, too. All right. And so, do you want to uh, let anybody know about any of the maybe potential new things coming up, or do you want to kind of keep those under wraps for a little bit? The Um, counterculture of other stuff.
0: I'm I'm ramping up on, I'm doing a lot of things in the local market with uh, local businesses, reviving brands. A lot of times, businesses bring me on because of the fact I do rockabilly It's kind of my calling card here. So, I'm working with local, some local businesses that are, that are struggling and want to reinvent in some ways, other businesses that want me to do, you know, cool events that are similar, but different than what I'm doing with Rocky Ability. Um, I am, I have a couple festivals in my back burner. I owned a trademark to a festival called Wavefest here. That was a huge festival in the 90s here in Charleston. That was a big alternative rock indie rock festival and it was associated with a radio station that's no longer here. And I spent four years acquiring the trademark. And I'm in the, you know, I have plans to bring that back. And within a couple of years, it's going to be a huge endeavor. You know, have, you know, stadium headline, you know, alternative rock, indie rock, Americana type acts playing. So that's kind of the big next phase is to create this sort of massive festival here. That's on an international level, um, so that is in the works, but I'm right now I'm basically working on sort of building my brand, growing Rockabilla Queue. That's my main objective and then, of course, growing my uh, brand locally and also trying to get bands here that aren't playing here. So I'm looking into, you know, promotion and booking and getting bands that are playing in you know, c- cities nearby like Atlanta and Charlotte and Raleigh that aren't coming to Charleston and getting them to come to Charleston. So it's all about. For me, it's all about creating different events for Charleston that don't exist, bringing in bands that aren't playing here that fit my brand, and you know, and growing. and And Charleston's my main focus right now. Also, getting the Motels six documentary finished is also in my uh, is my main focus as well.
1: So cool! And you know what? I love Simon Lice. I remember you were at the bus stop, like in second <laughs> grade, and just so cool. Of like all these things that you've just become, and the leaps that you took. And it's just so admirable and for people listening, a story that is just super inspiring of just a go-getter of something, I see it. I wanna try this and just the the way that you try different things and the way you work hard and that thing at 40 and the story about Phyllis Diller, which is, I don't know, I just thought she'd been like forever, her, you know, yeah. and didn't didn't even know when, but that life can begin at any time when you make that change, take the leap of faith. And although it is going to be scary and things can happen, but look what happens when you reach out and do something. I mean, bam, look at all the stuff you've got. Super cool. Yeah, it's
0: exciting. I, I really do. I, I love my life and uh, I like the challenges it throws me and I'm, I'm excited to you know, get into more.
1: That's right. You're an inspiration, Simon. And if someone wants to uh, reach out to you, where can I find you?
0: They can find me on, obviously, uh, Facebook for sure. But Viva La Rock Productions, there's a website for it. Um, you can also email me at viva la rock productions at gmail.com. And, uh, but if you Google any of the festivals, if you look on Facebook, you can easily connect to me.
1: All right. And if you are in and around the Charleston area, you definitely got to check that out. And I want to thank you so much, Simon, for being on the podcast. And, you know, there is always. Thank you,
0: I appreciate it. It was of,
1: great. Of course. There's always another way.
0: Done. Yeah.